um, if you're online and you're watching us online, point you text to 352-441-3016. Just text the word um, guest and or online, sorry. And if you're a guest, you're welcome to do the same. Same number, 352-441-3016. And then, of course, if you just want to just say, hey, here I am, here I am, here I am, then please just say connect and that, uh, that, uh, to that same number. Awesome. Thank you, my sweetheart. It's, I have the best wife in the world. <laughs> Corin and I have often had this discussion because I know that lots of people are very vocal about their marital relationships online. And Corin and I were like, are we going to do that? Or, you know, and it's, I don't have anything against if people do that, but, but I should be more vocal. But I want you to know that I think my wife is the best person in the world. <laughs> Not saying anything about your wives. I'm sure your wives are the best for you too. But um, no, it's great. It's great. Hallelujah. Um, I do want to mention, um, we have, uh, please keep, save the date for the end of July. Um, I know that right now we're in the last day of June. Mark's halfway through the year, of course, today. But in, in a month, in the end of the last weekend in July, and I think it's the 28th and 29th, if I speak, and the 28th and 29th, Pastors Alan and Janice will be with us, and um, I'd like to give you a little bit of background because some of you know them very well because you've been here that long, and some of you have never met them, and it's been six years since they left the church. They were the second pastors. Uh, this church is probably 32 or 33 years old. 30, is it that much? 35 now, thank you. Norman and Linda used to be the youth pastors years ago, which, you, you know, so it's been around a while. It's, and I'm the fourth pastor over here. Alan and Janice were the second pastors, and they pastored Family Bible Church for 20 years. And um, we have, uh, please keep, save the date for the end of July. I'm, I know that right now we're in the last day of June. Mark's halfway through the year, of course, today. But in, in a month, in the end of the last weekend in July, and I think it's the 28th and 29th, if I speak, and the 28th and 29th, Pastors Alan and Janice will be with us, and um, I'd like to give you a little bit of background because some of you know them very well because you've been here that long, and some of you have never met them. It's been six years since they left the church. They were the second pastors. Uh, this church is probably 32 or 33 years old. 30, is it that much? 35 now, thank you. Norman and Linda used to be the youth pastors years ago, which, you, you know, so it's been around a while. It's, and I'm the fourth pastor over here. Alan and Janice were the second pastors, and they pastored Family Bible Church for 20 years. And um, I got to know them before, before I moved to this ever met in my whole life. And she just, she is full of fun, full of unique uh, attributes. I mean, it's just, you, we've got more stories than we could probably t- tell you about Janice but she'll keep you laughing and she's just one of those phenomenal characters but um, as I said they're going to be with us for multiple services so what we'll do is that Sunday morning um, we'll have a service and that Sunday evening we'll have a service and Monday evening we'll have a service we want to we want to draw on them as much as we can and and on that on that Sunday evening what we'll do is have a social and you can spread the word to anybody who used to be in Family Bible Church who wants to come I know that Pastor Allen's already posted online but um, we'll do like a bring and share a potluck kind of kind of thing um, over here. And if you want to just come hang out with them and socialize with them, there'll be that opportunity on Sunday afternoon. So that's the last weekend in July. Amen. Um, I want to take uh, on a different note. I just want to I, I want to say this more often than I do. But thank you if you serve in any capacity here. I know that we at Lake Haven we are so dependent on people that serve. We have people, so many people in the woodwork here that make this all possible. And it doesn't get, they don't get trumpeted enough. I know we have a wonderful worship team and, and, and Warren and Letty do a great job. But every one of the worship team people, members that come and sacrifice and pray and, I mean, prepare and train and everything. And then we, we have people in the children's building, Paul, who does, his, who does our custodial work. And there, there are so many parts to this, this, this machine um, so that people can come and have their kid, kids looked after. And I just want to have a shout. That was on my heart. Just to publicly acknowledge everyone who really serves the Lord in that capacity. So thank you very much. Thank you. That's really awesome. Um, and, and, you know, Keith, Keith has been doing a great job with, he's getting us grounded in the word Saturday nights. We don't have a Sunday school per se, but on Saturday nights, Keith is teaching and he's been teaching on the authority of the believer and it's phenomenal. And, and I just, I, there, we have got so many phenomenally talented people here. 
One day, one day I think you would be blown away, maybe at the family camp we should do something like that, is you should get to know people here. But we have got like marvelously gifted, anointed, powerful people in this congregation. And it's just amazing what God is doing. So um, I, I just, yeah, I, I, as I said, I just, I'm just blown away by what God is doing and getting ready to do here. I also want to throw out just a couple, throw out things that's not in the announcements or anything, but I just want to mention um, there is coming a time, probably in late October, we're going to, we're going to have a, a, a prophet here um, at, who operates in one of the fivefold gifts of the, of the office of, of the prophet. As you know, there's fivefold, according to Ephesians 4, fivefold ministry anointing offices. If you want to call them names, some people call them anointings. I, they struggle with that a little bit, but it doesn't matter. Five offices, and that's the... Um, Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And, and what you see a lot of is a pastor and teacher. Um, you don't see much of an evangelist, but occasionally we have an evangelist here. I may have an evangelist friend visit us this year as well. We'll see it in his schedule, but he has got potentially some exciting stuff. If you are a family and you want to go to Africa on a crusade, you better start saving because there's an opportunity for you to do that. So that'll be next year. But I'm hoping that, that he'll come. But before I, I um, he hasn't been able to secure dates yet, but it's potentially in August. Um, so, and then this, this prophet is, she has been here before. Mary Dorian is awesome. And, and she will be here at the end of October. And, and I will be preparing us for that a little bit. But it is a phenomenal gift that God has given to the body of Christ to prepare us and to mature us for, the, for ministry. And Mary is unlike m many other prophets that I've experienced in my walk before. She, she, is, she is very sensitive. She, she operates a lot in dream interpretation, um, but she is exceptionally encouraging and, and knows how to build out the gifts. And then Mary will spend time with us. She will spend, I think, from Sunday right through to Wednesday and, she was gonna, and she's going to be ministering about the gifts and releasing gifts in people and doing that kind of ministry. So I want to give you a heads up to this is just, I'm just giving you a short overview for a couple of things that are coming up in the next six months. Amen. So um, that, but you will just stay tuned and uh, we'll put those things on Facebook events, uh, you know, in good time. But Pastor Alan and Janice are the, the next one and that is um, end, of, end of July. I also want to mention 4th of July. This was on my heart. Um, I, I, I was, was like, you know that we're immigrants. Corin and I are proud to be Americans. We have chosen to make this wonderful nation our home, and, and we, we really rejoice in this. So 4th of July, you know, when we had to do our citizenship test, um, it was interesting. We had to study a little bit, and, and it's, it's fascinating. You know, I, I, you don't know this, but I've kind of got a famous last name. Yeah, you do. In this, you know, one of the signers of the declaration was Charles Carroll. Same spelling as me. And he was the last living signer of, of the Declaration of Independence. He lived for six years longer than Jefferson and John Adams, who both died on the 4th of July, 1820 or 1826 or something. And James and Charles, sorry, James, uh, sorry, Charles Carroll lived an extra six years, and he died at the age of ninety-five. And I was like, man, yes. So we got a Carroll in there, you know. So, <laughs> so, but it was. I thought it was interesting that that both uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both died on the fourth of July. Did you know that? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But I mean, but what an incredible nation this is, and I believe um, this nation is, has an onslaught against it because it has been a beacon of light. It's a beacon, been a beacon of freedom. It's been a beacon of the gospel. Um, it was founded on giving people liberty and the ability to choose things. And, and of course, the oldest signer of the Declaration of Independence was Benjamin Franklin. He was 70 years old at the time that he signed it. And one of the famous things that he said when, a, when a, uh, this, he said these words um, as a response, Benjamin Franklin said to a woman who asked him whether the newly formed United States of America was a republic or a monarchy. And as he was leaving the last day of deliberation at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, Franklin was concerned about the, the, the future of the new nation. And to, so to this lady, he replied, he said, um, whether it was going to be a, a, a republic or a monarchy. And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. A republic. 
And those are powerful words because what's getting thrown around a lot is that we are living in a day and age where us, as believers especially, because we have a say in this phenomenal nation, we have to be more educated with some of these things. So in case you think this is not spiritual, it's very spiritual. Because I'm not about waxing about one party or another party, but we do need to stand for rightness. Righteousness exalts a nation. We should have righteous laws and righteous things, and, and, and that's not to force religion down anybody's throat. It's not even to force our own religions. I do not believe in legislating righteousness or even re- legislating Christianity. But there is a place for us to, to follow the constitutional thing that I believe God has given us. So, and, and to this, this part, we are not a democracy. Benjamin Franklin said democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. Think about that. It's not mob rule. We do not. We, but yet, on today's news, you will hear the word democracy thrown out a lot. We're a democracy. We're a democracy. We're a democracy. We're a democracy. We were never a democracy. Democracies don't work. Mock democracies are mob rule. And, and I'm not here to preach about this, but I want us to be educated because we cannot go. We have to hold on to the freedom we have if we are going to continue to be not the, the socialist onslaught that is against us. Absolutely, where we see murders being legislated is absolutely ungodly. And our job, we are not going to, we have got to love everybody. Everybody. But where our voice counts is where we vote. That's how we vote. So lest we say we're going to just keep quiet and not say anything, that is a mistake. That is absolutely a mistake. So um, I know that, that as we see more political buildup and things like that, you know, be praying, be sensitive. You will vote according to your conscience, absolutely, between you and the Lord. But please do us the, 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 the privilege of being more educated about these things. Amen? So, um, um, yeah, there's a lot to say about that. Oh, well, thank you. So, thank you. No, it, it's, it's an important thing, you know, that, yeah, I, there is so much I've learned over the years, and, and this is not about, this is, like I said, this is not about being political. This is about standing up for righteousness, giving a voice to those who cannot speak. Jesus and was always for the widow and the orphan and those who had no voice. Our job is to stand up. Our job is to stand up for those who have no say, and, and we're not going to be part of, of something that is, uh, or, or agree with something that is, not, uh, that is not absolutely, you know, that is absolutely, I believe, an attack. On, on where we, what, what our power is in, in liberty and taking this gospel to the world. Anyhow, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that as we surrender our hearts and lives to you, that we have become disciples of you. We are followers of you. And Lord, as we just uh, continue in our worship, Lord, we, we know that every part of our lives Um, we willingly give to you because your desire is for us to have life and life more abundantly. And so, Father, thank you that you use use just the foolishness of of what is spoken and and your word contained therein, Lord, is powerful and effective and, and, and reaches the hearts of us as we open our hearts to receive your word, what you're saying to each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've been talking about this Grow series and, um, uh, and you know, I, it's important because before I started this Grow series, I did a little short series on that God is not in control. Remember that? And it's, it's one of those things. But, it, but it's, an empowerful, it's a powerful truth to get established in your heart that God is actually not in control. And why I say that is because fatalism says that, oh, well, you know what? God's will is going to be done. Whatever we do politically or don't do, God's will is just going to be done. So why do anything? And it's a satanic ploy for us to keep us apathetic. We sit on our hands and remain inactive if we believe that God's will is going to be automatic. God's will is not automatic. Not in your life and not in our nation. 
if we do not stand up and enact, that's why Jesus said, pray that, that thy will be done. He's, we are supposed to seek the will of God. We're supposed to follow the word of God. Jesus has got lots of advice for us. The word of God shows us the way, but we choose whether we're going to believe it. We choose whether we're going to agree with it, believe it, put it in our hearts. We choose whether we are going to follow it. As I said before, you, 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 nobody tells you, nobody makes you keep the speed limit. Now ask me, tell me a question. I mean, answer me this. If, you, if Jesus sat in your car with you, would you go faster than the speed limit? <laughs> I mean, I'm being silly. I, I'm, I'm just, I, it's just a question because I, I, I'm, I mean, I hope no policemen are listening to me too closely. But I, yes, I, I do go a little faster than the speed limit sometimes. And, you know, I push the boundaries a little bit occasionally. I mean, mostly I think I'm very... But, but the point is this, is that... When it comes to following law, you and I get to choose. And, and God's, God's advice to us is plenteous. And, and, and he says, listen, go this way. And you've heard me teach messages on this. Go this way, go this way, go this way, go this way. This is the best way. This is the best way. But guess what? If we don't do it, then we don't benefit by it. If we don't do it, we won't get to benefit in the abundant life. If we don't follow, and, and it's not about legalism. It's not about earning God's love or anything about that. It's just about following his advice. It's no different to a doctor saying, okay, you want to be healed from that? Well, do this. Um, you know, take this medicine and have it three times a day and make sure you exercise at least you know, once. A week. You can choose whether to listen to the advice of the doctor or say, no, I'm not going to take that. It's no, it's no different to that. In fact, God's commands, commands are God's prescription for wholeness. And we have to change our minds. We have to change our minds about how we think it. Because we, if we've been hurt by legalism, we get to thinking that, oh, well, commands are just all legalistic. And we just don't want anything to do with any commands. And we're just going to throw out the commands. No, 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 no. You've got to understand with the heart of God. And you know that he loves us unconditionally. You know that because we teach that constant, consistently here. God loves every person unconditionally. While we were still sinners, he loved us. He loves you no matter what you've be done, where you've been, he loves you. It's never been about trying to earn his love. Never. You cannot get God to love you more than he loves you right now. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus right now. It's never been about trying to earn his love. So when he, it's because he loves us, just like a father, if I tell my daughter who's sitting here today, if I sold her, Danielle, do this, or do and, and she chooses not to obey me and gets hurt because she, she disobeyed me, I chose to give her that command to protect her and for her life, you know, to, to give her a better life, etc. So not to, not to harp on that, but it's an understanding thing because God's will is when we're growing, I say that because as we go through the series, these, these, this series is connected. This is about, this is about us following God's plan for our life. We want to follow God's plan for our life or otherwise we will just stay where we're at. If you want more of what you have, just stay where you're at. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep believing what you're believing. If you just want more of what you have, because you will. That's all you get. But if you want more, if you see promises, there is a way to grow and to receive and to, to appropriate these things. And that's what growing is about. And we know that, that, that healthy, healthy things grow. And so the first time we spoke about getting this understand, the first uh, two weeks ago, we spoke about our hearts and how important it is for our hearts to be established and understanding that, that, understanding that our hearts is where we believe. It's the core of us. It's not the physical blood pump that we're talking about. We're talking about the core of us, where body, soul, and spirit come together. It's where our hearts, we can doubt in our hearts, we study it, and we can believe in our hearts. So we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. So, and on the foundation of that, we spoke about, um, we spoke about the teaching of righteousness because we said that, that we need some absolute points. When we, and as we're growing, we need some sure-found absolutes of what 
is or isn't so. The filters that we have to be able to pass things through. And, and we said some, one of the filters, for example, is the life of Jesus, as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in, the, in the, those four Gospels. Looking at the life of Jesus, he's the image of the Father. You can, you can hold up any doctrine that you get taught, read, have too much pizza in the middle of the night. You think, wow, I've got an idea. This is what God is like, you know. And there's been a lot of religions, people. Religions have been created that way. Religions that we have entire almost states of the USA following. Because some guy felt like an angel appeared to him and gave him golden plates and special glasses to read. We have religions with millions of people. And let me tell you, it's a false religion. It's a false religion. And yes, I'm not going to beat around the bush about it. Because there is no name given among men by, with, by which we must be, na- uh, be saved other than the name of Jesus. There is only one revelation, and that is the Word of God. If you're not sure that the Word of God is the absolute, full, control, total revelation of God, then you need to be. Then that's one of the foundations, because absolutely the Word of God is Jesus. It revealed himself as the very physical manifestation of God's Word. Seeing Jesus as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, will, we will, you will be able to hold up any doctrine or anybody who knocks on your door. Or, or, and, and like I said, there has been so many countless religions that we aren't here. I mean, you can go to Bible school to study or you know, get, get the book Kingdom of the Cults or whatever you want to go to to go and study about stuff. But the point is that if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, and you see Jesus, how he operates, it's a major clue. You've got an, an understanding to filter everything through. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus operate to that lady caught in the act of adultery? How did he speak to people? How many people did he kill? How many people did he hurt? Oh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Somebody, here's my boy. He's just, I need to teach him a lesson. You know, okay, well, let's just break his arm and that'll teach him a lesson. You know, it's, it's, it's ludicrous, but, but, but that's what religion says all day long. Because they don't see God through the face of Jesus. The very image that we've gone to. So that was what we said we spoke about last week. And, and, and we spoke about how it says in, at the end of in, in Hebrews 5 that spiritual infants aren't acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. Spiritual infants and, and righteousness, is, 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 as we went into some, it's a massive topic. It's a wonderful topic. It is a topic that set me free. It, it, it is one of the most exciting things to understand that we are righteous simply by faith. Simply by faith. And when, we, and when we've studied the atonement, or if you remember my Easter message, and if you haven't, please feel free to go and watch it again or listen to it or download it, whatever. And again, but understanding what Jesus did on the cross and the atonement and what it provided and that, and that God made him who had no sin become sin, become sin so that we might become the very righteousness of God. If, we don't, if we're not grounded, so in, in this process of growing, we, we understand that, that there is a growth and an understanding of righteousness by faith that, that that is essential. And, and to this point, we've got to sort of continue because remember chapter and verse didn't exist back there, but Roman, Hebrews chapter 5 sort of finishes off with that thought about spiritual infants and, and not being acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. And then it goes straight into, in, into, um, uh, into Hebrews 6 verses 1. And, and so that is where I'm going to start with part 3. And I'm going to use Andy Dufresne's words from Shawshank when he spoke to Red. Get busy living or get busy dying. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, Let us, therefore, remember I've said it, that's a connection to what's just been, what he's just said in the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 has just been talking about spiritual infants and not acquainted the teaching of righteousness. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God, and of instruction about washings or baptisms, depending which, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And he goes on to mention those six foundations. So that word laying again, I, meant, I touched on this last week. When he says not laying again, it's talking about, it, it, the literal word means not casting down. 
In Greek, it's, it's not, don't, we're not casting down these things. In other words, we're not going to neglect these foundations, but we're not going to ignore them either. We can't ignore these are the things. There are so many doctrines out there that it really doesn't matter what you and I believe about. It really doesn't. There is some, we, we've heard wisdom, I think, you know, as I, as I quoted one man said years ago, wisdom is majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. If, there is, if Jesus, if the word of God majored on it, then we can major on it. But when it's unclear, then don't worry about it. Don't, don't stress about stuff that is unclear. But let's major on the majors, the big stuff. And so we talked about these are foundations. These are the things that we stand together. And, and, and understand, these aren't distantly related little issues. You don't have on one little corner way out there, you know, you have, you have repentance from dead works. And on one corner you have faith. And then somewhere over there, these, this like a, like a building, concepts are always like bricks. You know, you know how bricks are laid. Clears together and they sort of interlock too, like Legos. You know, there, there's an interlocking foundation. Concepts in the word of God are like that. Because they are spiritual and they are bigger than us, we spend our lives growing in under, understanding. So when we, when we study foundations um, or, or when we study anything, it's kind of foolish to, to look at only one thing in a vacuum, put it that way. You can't pick out one topic in, any, in the Bible and just say, isolate it, put it in a little test tube and say, I'm going to understand it like that. Because no, it, it is interrelated. It's going to affect, it, it's going to have manifold wisdom from, and it's going to be interrelated. Does that make sense to you? So, so here when we're talking about foundations and we're talking about faith righteousness in here and then he goes into, you know, he, he goes into really the, these fundamentals and he, and he speaks about these first two. He says repentance from dead works and faith towards God. It's a foundation. These are things that we should be clear about and established on. So, these, repentance from dead works, we, we, you will see that repentance from dead works is very, and understanding what he's talking about here in context is very, is very, is very related to what we often teach about or, or speak about or what we, is about grace. It's about grace and faith righteousness, faith towards God. It's very associated with grace because grace is essentially the opposite of dead works. And, and we'll, we'll just break this out apart a little bit. But first, the first word that he says in these foundations is the word repent. We've spoken about this word before. What does the word repent mean? Change your mind. Are you all with me? <laughs> okay. If we repent, we change our minds. We have to be willing to change our minds. When we are told to repent, we have got to be prepared to change the way we think about something. You and I have grown up in cultures different, and we have grown up in different, uh, in, in different belief systems, but being willing to repent and change our mind is some attitude that we have to take when we are humble and we are reading the word of God. We have to read it and say, hmm, hmm that's not what I was taught, but mama and grandma told me this. Really, you have to settle in your heart who's going to be right. Grandma, who is very sweet and undoubtedly was the best person ever. Or are you going to be taking the word of God as fundamental? That is absolute. You, you, you have to settle in your heart that, that fact. So, so when, we, when we say repentance, it's going to be a change of mind towards what we're thinking. What is the very first change of mind? Uh, you know, you know I'm, I'm just trying to think. I had a change in my Christian experience because I got saved in, in a wonderful denominational church that got me born again and to this day I'm grateful for. But they never said anything about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was just mentioned in benedictions and doctrines, doctrinal statements. He wasn't a living, breathing breathing person in our lives so one of the ways I had to change my mind I had to repent was when I heard you know I, I went into a church one day and they were just 
speaking in tongues and they had some i was like oh hold on a second what's about that and i was challenged with you know all these scriptures in acts and in first corinthians chapter 12 13 and 14 and and the multiple scriptures that talk about how the holy spirit is here to help us and to be with us and to lead us and to guide us and and help us in our weakness etc 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 i had to embark on a on a on a on a uh, a journey of of changing of repenting and listen listen guys repenting is about changing our beliefs because we've set that apart we've set that foundation it's about changing what's in our heart we have to be prepared to change let me tell you that you can change your actions let me put it this way you can change your actions and not have repented one bit i'm going to say it again you, can have, you could have changed the actions in your life and not have repented by biblical definition one bit. If you have not changed your mind about how it, about, if you've not changed the way you believe about it, you've not repented. Oh, well, I don't do that anymore. All you've done is change your behavior. Okay, so, so we've got to change our mind about what is dead works change our mind what is dead works that's the very first thing that we're going to do so wh what is dead works he didn't say evil works he didn't say let's change our mind about what is evil works he said dead works dead works okay so let me as in a nutshell this is what dead works. it is what a dead work is anything that we do that we think is going to make earn us something from God or make us righteous before God. That is a dead work. Anything that you do that you think is going to earn you something from God or is going to earn you, well, earn righteousness from God or anything from God. So it's trying to, it's trying to pay for something by works from God. That is what is dead works dead works and now the bible says that we are created unto good works ephesians 2 10 says this for we are god's handiwork which is a beautiful study you are actually god's uh, tapestry a man he is you are his handiwork he has designed you created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do we are created unto good works but we are to repent from dead works so what's the difference because outwardly works can look exactly the same you and i do not have the ability to judge another person's work whether it's good or dead because praying can be a good work or it can be a dead work reading your bible can be a good work or it can be a dead work going to church can be a good work or it can be a dead work no matter what you name, it could be a good work or a dead work. Why? Because what makes it different is the motive behind it. And I cannot, you cannot have the right to judge somebody's motive. You don't know somebody's motive. Sometimes I don't even know my own motive sometimes. Like Paul talks about that. I don't even judge myself. But... But that, and that's an important way that we can study at some other time. But the, it's important to understand that works look the same. Remember, we, we've touched on this, but in, in, a few, in a few words, I'm going to remember Jesus said these words. Remember, he said this to the, the, the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 26, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the, and the outside will be clean. But before that, he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. And then he, he explains it. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs in verse 27. You look beautiful on the outside. Man, if somebody looks like a Christian, you've got it nailed. Man, isn't he such a Christian? Man, look how awesome he is. Here's Jesus says, you look beautiful on the outside. He says, but you're like whitewashed tombs, full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Because you worry about the outside. Jesus has always reduced it to motive and the motive of the heart. 
He is even when Jesus came by, everybody was like, you know, the, the Pharisees. And, and the only thing we were ever told to beware of is the teaching of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the teaching of the Pharisees. All they cared about was the outside. And here comes Jesus and he raises and he says, listen, if you just look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. You think it's about just sleeping with another woman. I'll tell you what it's like. If you say words in anger, you've committed murder. What? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was constantly pointing a level of, to show people that it, it really has mattered what's in your heart. What's on the inside. So the motive. So I, I want this to be an understanding. The, your why you do something. The why that you do something is way more important than what you do. Your why, why you did it. Why are you doing it? If you're trying to score brownie points with God, or you're trying to earn something from you, God, you need to repent of that. That's a dead work. You need to change your mind. That's what repentance from dead's works is. You've got to change your mind about that. That's the very first foundation. Change your mind about how you think you're going to earn something. Matthew 7, we saw this, we saw this as well before we, uh, well, we looked at Matthew 7 about the builder and, you know, on sand on the rock, etc. But in that same passage, in verse 22 of Matthew 7, Jesus says, in many, on, many, sorry, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Listen to this, listen to this, people. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do mighty works in your name. And then, he will, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen to that. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty powerful. People can be workers of miracles, mighty works, cast out demons, and Jesus will not know them. Lest you think anybody can, listen people, yes, sinners can cast out demons. Yes, evidently sinners can even do miracles in Jesus' name. Now that's a whole thing, that's a thought that we can, but Jesus says, and, and this is important, he says, I never knew you. Not, hey, once upon a time I knew you, but you forgot me. There's a key there for those people, I used to beat myself up about that. He says, I never knew you. They have never known Jesus. They have never come to Jesus for their righteousness. Did we not prophesy, cast out demons, do mighty works? And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, works are never going to qualify. Another, another proof. So we've seen two places Jesus speaks about this. How about this one? Famous one in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith, listen to this, if I have faith that can move mountains but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all away all I, oof, if I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Nothing. That's pretty, that's pretty intense, people. How would you like to drain your net worth and give it to a charitable cause? I mean, sell your house, sell, empty your bank accounts, every asset that you have, drain your net worth, give it away. Oh, to be pious, la, la, la. And then Jesus says, sorry, nothing. Oh, Jesus, I'll give my life for you. I will, be, I will go to the cross for you. And Jesus says, nothing. What? Do you think this is important that we understand? I think so. This is the very first foundation that we're supposed to be talking. Jesus is saying we've got to repent. We've got to change our minds about what dead works are. It's not what you do. And yet, my God, people all over think that, well, are you going to go to heaven? I mean, this whole world, we can go to probably 
if we just lined up the people who go to church here and asked them, are you going to go to heaven? Well, I, I don't know. I guess if I do enough good stuff or no. So outwardly, just doing stuff on the outside, doing stuff isn't going to get you to heaven. But remember, we are, we're not throwing out. Jesus didn't call us unto no works. Jesus didn't call us unto no works. He called us unto good works. We are designed. He are, we are actually his workmanship. He has designed you for a purpose. And that, if you don't know, if you're not feeling like you're in your hand in glove place, you can find that because you have a God made hand in glove place. And that includes good works. Good works. Good works are, are, are those same things done with a motive of love. Done, done from a motive of, of, of wanting, of just of, with, with not trying to earn something from God. Not trying to earn stuff from God. I, you know, I don't know why. I'm, I should just switch off that thing in my head sometimes. <laughs> now I'm just saying, you know, you know, in South Africa, we never got tax exempt um, benefits. Didn't exist in our taxing structure, so it was unusual for me to come to America, where everybody gives, you know, checks and so that you can you can claim it from your taxes, because we just we just never had that. You know, and so it was it was an it was something that was weird to Karen and I to come to a country where people ask, oh, are we going to get a tax exempt certificate for that? It's like, who, who cares? You know, I, I mean, does that matter? You know, I mean, Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I, I want you to know that I don't look at what you give. I don't. I don't want to see what you give or don't give. That's between you and the Lord. If the Lord leads you, you give what he lays on your heart to give. If he lays on your heart to, you know, if you've, if you've got two pennies and you give them all, he knows you've given more than everybody else. Because it's hard stuff. But maybe you're a gazillionaire and you can spare $5,000 a year. Well, you know what I mean? God, <laughs> that, that has not got to do with me. Do you realize that? That's not got anything to do with me. That's got to do between you and the Lord and what he lays on your heart. He is the one that's going to give. No, if you, please don't do anything for praise from men. This is hard. Please don't do anything for praise from men or to be seen. Because you will put an undue burden on me to try and recognize you or to see what you do. You, 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 Jesus said we should do these things as unto the Lord. Amen. What you do, what you do and work and give and you is between you and the Lord, and that's we've got to again we're we're changing the way we thinks about this. So, understanding grace and truth, it says in John one fourteen, and um, that Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth, and 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 grace. Um, Can I say this? Um, grace, grace is God's ability, right? That works in our heart. I don't want to go into a, a big definition, but as we know, grace, grace is God's ability that works inside of us to do that which we cannot do in our own ability. And it says that Jesus came from the Father full of grace. Jesus was a man like us who emptied himself with Jesus of Nazareth and he was anointed of God. It's important that we understand that it is by grace that we are going to get anything done. By grace through faith. In, in Romans chapter 8 um, verse 3 in the NIV and I'm read verse 4 as well. It says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And understand when he's talking about flesh here, it's not talking about sinful life. It's about 
the flesh, in, in, especially in, in Galatians and, and this passage in Romans, it, it's talking about trusting in flesh to earn stuff from God. Being in the spirit is trusting God and taking him in his word. Trusting in the flesh is by saying, I can do it. Here it is. It's me. And, and you see this, 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 this is constantly contrasted. The works of the flesh or being in the spirit. Being in the spirit is just taking God at his word and saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you and, to, and that this is the way you've done it. So, but flesh is our physical ability. So when we're trying, again, to be righteous, it is, it is simply just works. Um, now, I want, to, I want to bring out another scripture, going back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse, and I'm going to go from verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. It's important that we understand this part. For by grace we are saved through faith. What saves us? Grace, through faith. And this, not of you, this is not of your own doing, it says in the ESV, or not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation itself is a gift by grace, freely given. Freely given. You cannot earn salvation. It's a gift from God, right? And then verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You cannot work yourself into salvation, not of works, so that no one can boast. So we've got to understand a little bit about works and, and, and dead works. It's not by our, and, uh, our, own, our own works. So grace, grace is a free gift. And, and, and as, as an aside, just so that we understand, grace is not mercy. Grace and mercy are not synonymous words. Oh, they were so gracious because they, they overlooked that fault. No, God's, that's not grace. Mercy is treating somebody better than they deserve. Or not giving punishment for somebody that does deserve it. That's mercy. Grace is giving somebody what they don't deserve. They haven't earned. Does that make sense? They, there, is a, there is a subtle but very powerful difference between grace and mercy. Grace, of course, by sheer definition is absolutely free. It is a gift. Grace is always given freely but it has to be received by faith and we've spoken about that so it's a it's it's god's another definition of grace is god it's a divine influence on our hearts that makes one able a divine influence on our heart that makes one able romans five seventeen says this for for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man how much more will those who receive god's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life receive those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. There's no works in that. How are we going to reign in life? Receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. All over we see this. Verse 21 said, so, just so, um, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life and that, that's life eternal through Christ Jesus. So, so all of these things. Now it is... To, to, to look at works again. So we see grace is this free gift and, and, and we, we get it freely. Romans 4.16, we're going to talk about this. So um, It says this, Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be a guarantee to all, Abraham, uh, so all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who have the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Uh, I Dropping back a few verses to verse 2, it says this, If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. How was righteousness attributed to Abraham? He believed God. Now, verse 4, it says, Now to the one who works... Listen to this carefully. To the one who works, working is trying to earn. To the, now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith will be credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Man, that's, that's a powerful one. He says, he doesn't say, 
Blessed are those who never transgress. Blessed are those who never sin. Blessed, it says that no, blessed are those whose sins or transgressions are forgiven, given, whose sins are covered and whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You know why your and my sin will never count against me? Because it was counted on Jesus. It was punished. He was the sacrifice that took it. And, and we've spoken about that in the atonement and on the cross. So, but, but see, see in, in, if you read chapter 4 of Romans, it makes this clear distinguish, distinction between works and faith. Clearly. And, and that's why I struggle because there's a lot of people that call themselves grace people out there that say, oh, you people that say we've got to have faith, it, it, you, you guys are just in works. Because if you've got to do anything and faith is a doing, then I was like, I'm like, no, faith is not a doing. Faith is a resting. You can't do faith. You can only believe in your heart. You can hear like we've spoken about, you can choose to believe. And, and, and that's the second part of the foundation that, that I'm not, I don't even think I'm going to be able to get to today. But that's okay. But, but it is a resting. It's not a doing. You see, in, in, in Romans 9, I'm going to jump over there quickly. Romans 9, uh, sorry, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Actually, just let's go to verse 10. Romans 10, verse 10. For it is with your heart. Ooh, there it is again. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You believe and are justified. You believe and are justified. You see, it is only by believing that you are justified. You cannot work unto justification. You cannot work, and some, word, some translations will use righteousness. You have to believe unto righteousness. I've made that point, but I hope you understand it. Then, We've got to look at this point quickly. Fallen from grace. What does it mean? Have you heard the term? They've fallen from grace. It comes from Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. This is powerful and wonderful and liberating. Praise God for Galatians and every other part. But it's a wonderful book. Galatians 5 verse 4. Now listen to this. You who are trying to be justified by the law. If you are trying to be justified, listen, people, I, I think my name used to be there. I, seriously, I mean, I, I had grown up in church and never been taught that. But I was trying to do the law. And <laughs> that leads you, I mean, gosh, the law is a teacher. Man, it will crush you. But if you try and be justified, if you're trying to be made righteous by keeping the law, you ain't going to get it. It says this, you have been you are alienated from Christ and have fallen away from grace. Fallen from grace. You see, when you aren't, when you aren't trusting Jesus, you've fallen from grace. What that has not got to do with anything with your salvation, that's got to do with you have fallen away from the realm of grace. You have now entered the realm of works. Galatians 2 21, and, and I'm going to touch on this in, in, in a few translations because it's powerful. Um, in in, in uh, the NIV, it says this, I do not set aside the grace of God. Listen to this. Whew. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. Wow. Wow. That, that is something to chew on and meditate on. I, I like the way ESV, the English Standard Version, says that. It says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The, the King James says, I do not frustrate I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Um, how about the passion? It says this, so this is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. Wow. If I don't, that's why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. 
You see, there's a reason we are established in grace. We talk about grace, and it's right here. Because grace, as, as you're seeing, if you're following along with me, you will see that grace is contrasted from dead works. We either are trusting in what Jesus did for and his promises for, 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 for our righteousness and for his promises, or we're in dead works and we need to, we need to repent. Uh, the, I'm gonna, the last one here is Galatians 2. I'm going to read it out the message from, and because the message has got a chunk here. I'm going to read 19 to 21. It's beautiful. Listen, listen to this. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central, and I no longer, it's no long, it is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see, living, you see, sorry, the life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going back on that. Is it not clear to you that if I go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that. To repudiate God's grace, if a, if, sorry, if a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Powerful, right? Powerful. Wow. That word frustrate is to neutralize and make void. I, I don't, if we, if we, we, we can neutralize or make void the grace of God with dead works. That's why we have to change our mind about it. Do you know that some of the biggest frustrations, listen carefully because this is for somebody here who struggled to receive healing or something from God. Sometimes beliefs that are in our heart can prevent us from receiving stuff because we have a heart belief that is entrenched in works righteousness. It's entrenched in dead works. And because we haven't, we have frustrated and made null and void the grace of God from working in our hearts. You and I will never be good enough to get that promotion, to get that promise, to get that healing. You and I will never qualify for it. Never. It is by grace through faith. Only. We have to change our minds. We have to renew our minds. We have to take, make the work, roll up our sleeves, and put the work into it. We have to put off the old man, what we've believed, and put on the new man. I don't care if you come to the altar, honestly, and crawl on your knees and, like I said, pour out tears and everything else. I, I don't even know what your motive is. You want true, true repentance? In God's eyes is what happens on the inside. If you're going to change your mind, you're repenting. You don't have to come up here to do it. You can. I mean, we have wonderful prayer ministers that, would, that can lead you in something and they've got a room here and they can counsel with you. And, but, but I'm telling you that if it's about a religious show here or about doing the religious thing, about putting a whole bunch of snot in the carpet, I don't, you know, it's, it's just like, I, it's, Jesus knows our heart. Jesus knows our heart. He sees if we're repenting. And, and being repenting is not just, I'm telling you, if it was only as easy as saying, oh Jesus, I repent. It's not as easy as saying that. It, those are just words. Repenting is an action. Repenting is, is a change to put off what I'm believing in. It's taking out my word of God. Like, really? Do you say that? It, it, you know, is Shannon smoking something? What's, what's, he, what's he up to? You know, it's like go and get into the word of God. Pick it apart. Ch jump in there. Get in there. See what he says. Be are you going to believe it or not? 
If you're going to believe it and do the work, then you've repented. And God sees that. I don't care if you, you do or don't. I put this in, I've got to use the words care, carefully. I would love for us all, I, I, I can't make you live a life with Jesus. You've got to choose to be a disciple or not. You want, you want the fruit of living with Jesus? Then, then, then it's up to you to put off the old man and put up the new man. It's up to you to be constantly choosing to change your mind. And, and listen, I've got to do this all the time. If you thought, oh, well, I did that altar thing once upon a time, and, and now, you know, I just don't know why none of this stuff is working. Well, duh. You know, this is why we get grounded in these things. We change our belief system. And, and that takes work and takes time. And, and, and we, we counsel with people. And, and, you know, that's why you grab a, a mature person. Like, I mean, Lisa's been work, walking through people with, you know, friendship or um, discipleship yeah, discipleship evangelism and all of these courses that we can, you can walk through. But, but even those, those can just be a work. Those can just be a work. But embarking on a lifestyle of saying, you know, I'm going to give myself humility. And like I said, twice in scripture, you've heard me say it again, but Spirit of God, I believe hearts are open to hear this. God gives grace to the humble. God can only give grace to the humble. Proud people who, are, or who think they know it all, who think they've heard it all, are resisted. That's what that scripture is mentioned twice in Peter and in James. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Being humble is the attitude, doesn't matter what people look like or wearing clothes, that's got nothing, that's just outward, that's just false humility. True humility is about being willing to change your mind, change your beliefs, to look into the word of God and saying, this is what it is. And that's what that very first foundation is. This very, very first foundation is being prepared to change our minds of what dead works is. It is the, we, we've got to access the grace of God. We're there by grace through faith. So become aware, amen? Just close your eyes here. Just say, Lord, Spirit of God, you are inside me. I'm born again, and you've given me your Spirit as a seal. And Lord, I know that I can't fake you. Forgive me for where I faked myself into believing something. But Lord, I'm, I, 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 I want reality. I want authenticity. I'm not here to play religious games with you. You know my heart. I want to be led in your way everlasting. I want, Lord, Lord, when my heart is proud and, and calloused and unyielding, Lord, I, I ask you to soften my heart. Where I thought I've known stuff before, forgive me. Give me a soft heart and teach me, Spirit of God, because you will lead me and teach me into all unrighteousness. You will show me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, Spirit of God. This is a, this is a lifestyle. This is not a one-time, unseparated thing. This is, a, this is a continual choice of walking with the Spirit of God and letting Him show you things to repent from, because He will. He will say, you need to change your mind about this change your mind about that or this is what my word says so Lord I I yield my heart to your to this humility to always be ready to hear from you because Lord I need your grace and I know that you're willing and it's so freely available it's free for the taking. It's free for the taking. Grace is free. It's free. This morning, if, if, you, if you just heard something that clicked for you 
about the grace of God and there's been a struggle to receive something and you're like, wow, just surrender that. If, if, if you've had self-righteousness in your heart and self-righteousness means that if you try to earn righteousness with stuff, with you, with yourself, with your actions, outwardly trying to look good, just doing stuff outwardly, just give it to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, I've done that and I've done it to look good. But I know that you see the heart. And I want you to know that you know that Jesus is always smiling on you. You are accepted in the beloved. I want you to remember right now that there's never a time that God doesn't love you passionately. He just continually, jealously wants every part of your heart and life. He's a jealous lover. He's a jealous lover. He jealously loves and longs for you. That's all. He loves you. So don't ever feel rejected. You aren't rejected. You're accepted. You are accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Spirit of God, for ministering to hearts here this morning. Thank you for a heart of repentance, Lord, and where we've, even as a body, if we have been misled by dead works, externals, trying to look good, look the part, we just surrender that to you, Lord. And Father, we, I, I do release you. I release you to good works. Because I know that in good works, you find purpose and passion and life. In fact, so much of what you're seeking for is in the path of good works, where they flow from a heart of compassion and they fall from a, a motive of desire. And where that desire is, is, is the opposite of trying to get something from God. It's just, I just want to be kind. I just, I just want to... Do something for somebody. Follow your heart on that. Follow your heart into those good works. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you are, <laughs> your very presence, your very presence in, in our lives was to help us. The very calling you have is called alongside to be our helper and our advocate and our comforter, the one to lead us into all of these things. And the Spirit of God, I thank you. When you need help in your mind, just turn to the Holy Spirit and just say, Spirit of God, I need you. I just need you. I need your help. And He know that he's there. He'll never leave you. He's already settled down and made his home inside your home. Amen. Amen.